one boy, boy for sale. Who's the boy for sale? Is it is it you, Jim? They have a remake, Oliver. I'm going to audition for Mr. Bumble. There was some nice uh, natural vibrato creeping in there, Jim. I'm very proud of my vibrato. Yeah. I don't, I don't bust out my vibrato often, but when I do, <laughs> it makes heads turn. Mm. Yeah, not, not everyone can do it, you know. Some people just uh, naturally do it and then other people's don't and then other people learn it and then other people just can't seem to learn it i've always been very good at controlling what my throat does (laughs) (laughs) so i've Uh. heard yeah if anyone would like to date me i suck a mean cock is what i was driving at there (laughs) folks (laughs) folks you know in case you were wondering if that's what you're looking at in in looking for in a games journalist is knows how to suck a good cock then jim's your journalist and our title this week is jim's well jim's well-trained gag reflex yeah that's the irony actually it's not all that good I, I I am excellent at what I do despite it. Not because of, of a good one. Despite a bad one. I must say, though... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I think I'm dealing with asthma for oh, the dear. first time, like, fully since I was, uh, like, 16. That's, that's not good. Are you sure your throat isn't just clogged up? <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> I was just as 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 I realised what I was leading off from. That is potential. <laughs> I, I'm I've now got a horrible image of just like coughing and just s- spraying the wall. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, wheezy coffee, like cough without any other symptoms. I feel great, but I'm just. <laughs> um, thanks to asthma, I've always had a bit of a mutley going on, like now. <laughs> but um, you know, it was never serious and. It was only really serious when I was like six years old. And the last time I ever had a serious flare-up was uh, yeah, about 16. I remember um, they said I was breathing at one point with the capacity of like a quarter of a lung. Oh, that's no good. You need more than that. I'd spent the day breathing with like this reduced lung capacity watching the big show on an episode of SmackDown. And then I was like, you know what? This is getting serious um, because big show was on and I couldn't get up to change the channel. So I went... <laughs> to a doctor (laughs) and the doctor gave me an inhaler Uh, but it's been so long i haven't had one i might need to go get an inhaler again oh no but uh i'm not too worried it's it's not it's not that bad it's just interfering with my lifestyle uh in a in an annoying way making me cough and splutter and i've I've been having to edit the breathing out of my recordings (laughs) a bit more because every time i breathe in it's all But other than that... The, the only thing disrupting my lifestyle at the moment is I'm just very sleepy. You're sleepy? Oh, I won't be doing things, but I'm very sleepy. What are you doing? Trying to be born? There's a Kingdom Hearts joke for you to take home with you, folks. Oh, oh, that was a birth by sleep reference. Yeah. That was that, was that what that was, Jim? Yeah. You, you did a Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, it, it wasn't a joke. It was literally just a pathetic reference you should just play your heavy breathing off as like a golem impression or something that's the problem there is hurts deactivating with us precious we hate it nasty filthy activations the problem is i can't do a golem impression and you can so i have to supply the wheezing and then just claim that what happened just then, since it's an audio medium, was my impression of Gollum. Did everybody like my impression of Gollum? Just steal my audio and put it in a Jimquisition. Hello, I'm Jim Sterling, precious. 
There you go. You can use that. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. You, you mentioned that Kingdom Hearts, Jim. Oh, I'm yeah. still playing it, and it's still great. It's good. It's a damn good game. I keep just like jumping into it for a few hours at a time, and it's like, this game is nonsense, but it's just so colourful and happy, and all the explosions and lights and things are happening, oh, and I yeah. very much like it. it it's a spectacle. Um, yeah. Devil May Cry can go fuck itself off a cliff. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is the real spectacle fighter. So does the story still? Did you did you both finish it? Oh hell no! I've not finished it yet. I'm still working through. There's a I've lot. made it as far as the frozen world. Same. Yeah, and I'm I'm enjoying that this one actually has some of the music from the movie. Let it go! Let it go! I kind of wish more of the worlds had had some of their music, but ah, uh, we at least got one Adina Menzel track in this. Ahuna Hunso? Oh, Adele Zabadim. That is a nice name. I like that. That's yeah, a very musical yeah. sounding name. <laughs> is that a is that a, a person who sang in a Disney movie? Is it? Uh, Adina Menzel is the person who did like the did the song "Let It Go" in Frozen. Oh, right. But she's she's also known uh, the stage musical "Wicked." For the longest time, she was the uh, the the Wicked. Uh, she was Elphaba in right. in Wicked for the very long longest time. She, she's a very good singer. And I played um, Alphaba's nobody uh, in in that production, <laughs> and John Malkovich played her Heartless. So that was a great production of Wicked. What we did, we called it Wicked Bucket by Hamstring. My my favorite my favorite line of dialogue that's come up in Kingdom Hearts still, and I can't stop laughing at this one particular line: "A heart can live anywhere." Even in data. Even in data. Even in data. It's my favourite line. I screenshotted that line and put it on Twitter. It's it's amazing. Most people responded with uh, that gif of data from Star Trek, like yes. doing the yes with his fist. <laughs> um, he got a real heart at last. It's a real Pinocchio story for data. We're all very, very <laughs> proud of him. Big boy, all grown up now. Thank you, data, for your service. I mentioned John Malkovich a moment ago. I've got him on the brain because I watched that Bird Box, that Netflix Ooh. film. Oh, yeah. What do, you, what do you think of it? It's everything that A Quiet Place should have been, but for eyes. I really enjoyed it. Like, I've it's seen great. some people being critical of it, but I, I really enjoyed it as, like, half zom- like the first half of a zombie film and then, like, a tense survival horror thing with kids involved, which amps up the tension. Well, it's funny you mentioned zombie film, because... This ain't zombies, if in case anyone feels turned off, but it's got that feel. It's it's got that barricade yourself in the house, how are we going to get resources? Yeah. How do we keep ourselves safe not only from the things out there but the people in here? That sort of yeah. feel. It's pertinent you mention zombies though, because the part of the opening of Bird Box reminds me of um, Do- the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah. Bird Box. Bird Box. It's uh, it sounds like something British people would call a toilet. The bird box. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, what? Where was I? Now I'm thinking about toilets. Gav, don't get me thinking about toilets. You were opening your Christmas presents. Right. It reminded you of the zombie remake. It reminded me of Dawn of the Dead, the Zack Snyder remake in like the early 2000s. Um, whatever people think of that film, I actually really like it. But regardless of what you think, it nonetheless scientifically has one of the best zombie apocalypse scenes in, in zombie films hmm. where... Near the beginning, uh, the the lead character walks out of a house, and it's just chaos out there. Um, and it's it's beautifully filmed. It is amazingly filmed. And the best part of it is um, when her 
other half her husband i think it's husband is chasing her and she's in a car and she's driving off and you see him behind her chasing after the car then he instantly just turns on a dime and grabs a neighbor who is nearer to him and it's just this perfect i've never seen a shot that so perfectly mm. suggests like this is what a zombie is they the moment they're a zombie they don't give a fuck about you anymore their memories are gone there's nothing yeah. tying there's nothing making that zombie chase you more than anyone else because it knows you which was one of my mm. issues with 10, 28 weeks later uh, but anyway i've gone on such a tangent the point is the societal chaos and the build towards it in dawn of the dead is it's very similar to Bird Box, and Bird Box does it amazingly. There's some, the, yeah. some of the opening is horrifying, um, but anyway, John Malkovich is in it. So wait, Bird Box is a zombie movie? No, it's not a zombie movie, but it has the energy of a zombie movie. Yeah. Right. Like you know, the beginning of a zombie movie where the outbreaks just happened and everyone's like very chaotically just trying to get out of town before quarantine and yeah. barricading themselves in buildings and no one wants to trust anyone. Yeah, it's kind of got that energy to its start that's always the bit that's always a bit where a kid dies uh yeah you get to like the latter section is much more oh my god i have to keep like two five-year-olds silent and well behaved for 72 hours without them asking questions that's the real horror yeah it's a it's a very good film very good film um so i watched that this week and then i watched velvet buzzsaw which also has john malkovich in it and I want to watch that new uh, Hercule Poirot thing that Amazon's doing, which stars John Malkovich as, as Poirot. So it's going to be a John Malkovich week for me. Ooh, nice. Uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, by the way, very interesting film. It's a Netflix original um, about uh, the art world being shaken up by some outsider artist who died and things happen with the painting and the art installations. A lot of wasted potential, to be honest, and the pacing's off, but it's got some interesting stuff and Jake Gyllenhaal gives a very fine performance. So, anyway, that's me and films. That's that's movie corner. Yeah, welcome to Podquisition. I'm Jim Sterling. What was I watching with him in it the other week? Oh, Con Air. That is such a great movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen Con Air. That movie has the most, like, probably has the record outside of Michael Bay for the most, like, pointless, wanton destruction of, like, <laughs> everything. I've seen it in bits. I need to sit down and just, like properly be like i am going to watch con air today it's you have to watch it it's the most like memeable movie ever <laughs> oh yeah well it's one of those films there are several where it's like even if you've not seen it you've seen it because you've seen yeah. so many references and parodies and memes and references and all of that and gifs yeah the the the, the famous one being uh, nick cage's uh, hair in the wind oh yes <laughs> bless nick cage yeah I, he was in a movie, a horror movie last year that I really want to see. Uh, it's a woman's name, but it's meant to be absolutely brilliant, like a real old school horror B movie. Someone mm. will remember the name of it. I'll, I'll go and search it while you two are talking about other things, right. but it's oh. supposed to be really good. Should we talk about those other things while Gav's looking then? I guess the other things would be video games. Some video games. Video games? Yeah, what are they? Of, some of them. I'll say our names and just get us moving along. I'm Jim Sterling. Um, there's Laura Kate Dale. Hello. Hello. I'm here. Hello. I'm sleepy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it work. Make I'm, it I'm, work. I'm going to bring my A game to this show, even if I'm sleepy. Little Elbow Grace will be just fine. And I'm here yeah. with Gavin Dunn, Miracle of Sound, musician extraordinaire, and a guy who's looking up a Nick Cage film. Are you all right? Mandy. 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 That is the name of the film. It is meant to be really good, and I want to see it, but it's not on Netflix, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah. 
but it's it looked like the kind of thing that you would like as well, Jim. Okay. Because it looks very B movie-ish. Oh, so. I'm all all fond to that kind of stuff. I'm I'm very up for the idea of Nick Cage in campy horror. That sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. I feel I've said this many times, and I'm going to restate it. Nick Cage is. In my opinion, he's been tragically miscast as a protagonist in most of his films. <laughs> I always prefer when I see him like go off the reservation in like a villainous role where he just goes balls to the wall with it. Yeah. You know, like uh, cast a Troy and face off and stuff like that. Like he's had his best when he's just got this manic mm. energy. Oh, face off. Wild eyes. God, I forgot about face off. Yeah. Wild at heart. It's it's uh, great um to see him in those roles. All I have to say about Nick Cage is there's an image that's been going around this week that I can't get out of my head and it's um <laughs> if you put if you put Nicolas Cage's face onto Ross from Friends it just makes him look more like Ross. <laughs> really oh, I does. saw that, yeah. <laughs> like, he looks more Ross than Ross. <laughs> oh, dear. Speaking of things that rhyme with Ross, I saw that documentary on Bross. There's, There's a, a documentary, documentary on, on Bross? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it aired on the BBC a while back. Ah. For those not in the know, Bross were like the Justin Biebers of the 80s, and there were like three of them. Yeah, and they were... Hate it. It was one of those ones that had like a sizable pop culture hate dump. When will I, will I be famous? I can't answer. I can't answer that. That was their big famous track. What a fucking tune. It really is quite a good song. But the um, the two brothers in Brass are basically both incarnations of The Office's lead characters. So we got David Brent and Michael Scott rolled into two twin brothers it's incredible it turns a lot of heads when it came out because like quotes from the documentary kept being posted up on the internet because they they were amazing um you can get it on like bbc iplayer and if you're in the us just jump through a few hoops and you can get it um which i did um they won't let you properly cast it to your TV, but I worked around that and all. It's well worth checking out. All you got to do is like Google Bross documentary, and you'll you will at least find some great clips. But on top of that, it's just a very good documentary about them sort of planning their big sort of show, their reuniting show at uh, the O2. So yeah, yeah, it's um that that's a thing. Nice. Yeah. Uh, at some point, we will get onto video games. Wait, 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 wait! I gotta do it. Gotta do it. Oh, oh. When will I, will I be famous? I can't answer. I can't answer that. When will I see my picture in the paper? I can't answer. I can't answer that. Yay! Sorry, Mr. Mr. Guitar was out of tune there, but uh, we'll we'll deal with it. Oh, come on. that that yeah. That's all... <laughs> Splendid and tremendous. This has been the best intro to Podquisition ever. <laughs> this whole 15-minute block has been some of my favourite shit. Yeah. And we owe it all to not talking about video games. This has been some good bollocks, but video games. We had throats We had throats full of cum. We had asthma. We had Gollum. We had brass. We had Nick Cage. Uh, so, Respawn. They, they put out a game this week. <laughs> Bless you, Laura. <laughs> they did a game. Yeah. Yes, they did. They the did. Fighting four people. They did it. Apex Legends, not Apex the movie about the weird robots that look a bit like Black Manta, which I think only I remember. A P E X had dots in it, and they were just robots. Mm. It wasn't very good. 
Anyway, that's got oh, nothing to do with anything. Tell us about the game, Laura. Uh, it's it's a free-to-play battle royale thing from the Titanfall people. It doesn't have the stuff that you would expect out of Titanfall. You haven't got your, your wall running and your mechs. But it's a well-made, competent, like, battle royale first-person shooter. Yeah, that nonetheless is set in the Titanfall world, is it not? Yeah, yeah. it's definitely set in that world, and it's definitely got the feel of it. Um... I was just surprised at how smoothly it launched because right yeah like no no betas no like server stress tests they were just like oh it's out now there you go and their servers didn't just crumple yeah i've had like one or two errors but they're like nothing i haven't seen in other games yeah i've been disconnected from almost any multiplayer game at some point or another of course that it happened the very first time I got a uh, a kill leader designation <laughs> and was really fucking feeling it. Uh, that broke my heart. I've, I've, I've got, I put it in my Jim Impressions video, just me getting, I got the trophy and everything popped up to prove it. And then just, <laughs> boop, black screen, thrown back to the menu. But that was one instance. Otherwise, Aww. it's been a remarkably stable. Yeah. Remarkably so. Yes, because they were the people who made um, <clears throat> Modern Warfare 2 respawn. Well, a lot of them were. Yeah. And uh, that was the most stable game launch in history. <laughs> it's like they know what they're yeah. doing. Well, like, here's, here's the thing. Like, this game did leak a little bit before it came out. Basically, like seemingly they'd flown some people out to respawn to see it and word got out about that. But it was still just a really pleasant surprise to be like, ah, there's a game. It's out now. Yeah. And it just kind of works. Apparently EA was terrified about it understandably they didn't <laughs> announce it because of it not being titanfall 3 it having loot boxes oh. in it it being a free-to-play battle royale yes because clearly due to the time they released that titanfall really is a priority for them yeah i was thinking about this this is the second time in a row that they've really cannibalized the sales of something in the titanfall universe by like Releasing it very, very close to a big temple AAA yeah. release. And when it comes to publishers, I mean, there are theories that they're deliberately doing this to scupper Titanfall, but oftentimes I will put gross incompetence above... Oh, God, yeah. ...above certain malices. One hand just doesn't talk to the other. Yeah. Um, so to me, it, 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 it should be incompetence, but... In this case, I almost don't blame people for thinking that it, this was an attempt to weaken Respawn, if only for the fact that it's happened twice, and EA has a history of doing this to studios. I, I, I will say, thankfully, at least this came out before Anthem, because like I think if yeah. Anthem had come out, then a couple of weeks later, this, this wouldn't have got a look in, but... I have to wonder if they're just hedging their bets. It's like, if we throw them both out, hopefully one will succeed. Yeah, like there's there's the market of people who are like, well, I can't get Anthem when it launches, but there is this other EA shooter that's just come out and that one's free to play. Yeah, like a lot of people are looking at this as REA trying to screw or inadvertently screwing uh, Apex by launching it so close to Anthem. The other question could be is do they distrust the potential of Anthem so much that they've thrown this out to at least have something to at least have a popular live service going on. I, who knows? It's a bizarre decision, but again, it's not the first time EA's done it, and they have a history of ruining companies. It's not like they, it's it's not like they shouldn't be able to see the results of what they're doing 
or rather foresee the results of what they're doing. Yeah. Because since the 90s, they fucked studios over. Well, do they maybe think that um, <clears throat> the Anthem and Fortnite-type audiences are just all very different people, maybe? That also is a, a potential mm. question, yes. I mean, the the issue there is, yes, it could potentially be different audiences, but they're still appealing to two audiences that are diehard playing games already. Mm. Yeah. Because if you're trying to appeal to the Destiny crowd, they've got Destiny. You need to do something remarkably different. And if they're appealing to the Fortnite crowd, they've got Fortnite. And De and Destiny has recently, by all accounts, Destiny 2 is where the players want it to be right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hitting its stride. We've had the news that Bungie's breaking away from Activision, so there's excitement mm. and buzz around Destiny 2 for the first time in a while. Um... The only sort of saving throw here is the potential for Apex to be quite a different experience from Fortnite. You know, the building's been replaced with a very squad-oriented experience. Yeah. Um, so there are differences in that. But at the same time, you look at uh, um, Apex, and it is just a mishmash. Because you've got Fortnite, you've got Overwatch. This is a free-to-play Battle Royale character shooter. Um, <laughs> EA is just doing what it did sort of in the middle of the last generation where it's looking at other companies successes mm. and deciding it's entitled to a piece of that pie but doing nothing to advance the genre it's trying to appeal in here's here's the thing this one on paper sounds like it shouldn't work it sounds like it's too many things thrown at each other but it is fun oh yeah yeah i don't know if it's i'll stick with it as long as i stuck with Fortnite fun but like I'm having some fun with it. Stupid, nasty electronic <laughs> arts. It's uh, uh, there. Every time the golem comes up, it puts me off. <laughs> That's why I did it. I know. Um, right, Apex. Uh, it is a good game. It, it very much like you, Laura. I don't know how long I'm going to stick with it. I mean, I played it yesterday just enough to get a impressions video done, and then just didn't pick it up again. I watched the man in the high castle instead. Um, I mean, I could play a bit of it today. I don't know. Probably not. And it's not because it's a bad game. It's just I don't feel a burning desire to get, like, play in it and advance in it. The problem for me right now is, and I know that these are as opposed as two, two games can be, I don't want to stop playing Kingdom Hearts. Well, this comes up to it. This brings us up against another pertinent factor, which is one I've talked about many times before. Yeah. Even if we're talking different genres. Live services demand your time. Yeah. Much of your time for grinding, for getting good at it, for playing long sessions. Um, and people only have a finite amount. I want to pick up a live service game, like, in the middle of summer, when there's a complete drought on, like, game releases. Yeah. And I can just go, this one game will keep me going for months. Like, if this was early August this came out, I'd be like, yeah, I'll probably play this for the summer. Yeah. And even then, like, a lot of people will just go back to Fortnite, back to Destiny, yeah. back to, you know, even PUBG or what have you. Um, whereas, I don't know, it. this is an issue we have with every emerging genre. We've had this from military shooters to um, sim games to, what was the big fame? MMOs, of course, you know, when World of Warcraft mm. hit it big. And the corpses of games and game developers litter these war zones when when they start vying for control of a genre these online games of service the whole issue is once one of them gets big 
that's where people have invested their time and people don't want to start over from scratch in a new ecosystem if they're still enjoying the first one. Yeah. <sighs> Bloody millennials. Millennials. With their attention spans of normal people. Fucking man animals. That's more that it's it, they're very focused on their one thing and they're like why would why would I throw away all my progress <laughs> if I'm still enjoying my version of this genre? Yeah. Sorry friends, can't play Apex Legends. I'm doing me Instagram. Yeah. I'm learning life skills that my parents never taught me. So there. Liberal arts students, let me fucking tell you something for nothing, which is what you want because you don't spend your money to keep vital industries like the diamond industry going. Come on! How dare you want the participant... What's wrong with me? I swear I'm losing my mind. Seriously, this has been happening to me all week. I can't words... I can't words. I've been struggling to words. It's because you've been pretending to be Gollum for days. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Apex Legends is pretty alright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, Honestly, a good game. The traversal yeah. of the world feels good. The gunplay is solid. Uh, it's I I like the 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 squad based thing and mm. and for people who aren't comfortable on mics, there's a very robust and easy to use communication system uh, with contextual. Uh, Presses mm. of the R1 or, you know, whatever's on the keyboard. I don't know. PC games are for wankers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Bit, bit of news we had this week. And this is just uh, a story of Ubisoft just doing another fuck up in the way that they sometimes do. Oh, Ubisoft. Yo, Ubisoft. Um, if you are subscribed to Ubisoft's mailing lists for promotional emails in the United States... Over the weekend, you might have seen an email with the subject line, See what a real government shutdown looks oh, like. Oh, 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 I remember that. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah. I even tweeted yeah. you, Ubisoft. Yeah, they tried to promote The Division 2, a game about a chemical warfare attack in which the country has been destroyed by going, Hey, Americans who just didn't get paid very recently and risk not getting paid again in the near future... Don't you want to have a laugh about how that's similar to our game? Yeah, it's, um... I mean, I didn't see many people, like, genuinely upset at it, as well just mm. laughing at how inept it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you, it's tough when you... It was the phrasing of it that got me. After a really nasty government shutdown that had people, like, waiting in essentially modern-day breadlines... To then say this is what a real government shutdown... It was the use of the word real. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the longest government shutdown in US history that impacted more people's ability to pay their rent and bills and afford to live and survive than ever before. Never before has the government shutdown been this catastrophic to the people. Yeah. Uh, you gotta come see what a real one looks like, though. Like, it was nowhere near as bad as the shit that, you know, Gog used to tweet. But it was... It's just tasteless. Yeah, it was just, Ubisoft, what are you doing, mate? This... This doesn't make your game look tantalising. It just makes it look like you've shat all over people who are struggling to live. You'd almost understand it if it was like a, a, a humorous game, but The Division is like a super serious political game. Like, Yeah, it's basically, sorry, you can't feed your family. Well, we've got like a, an evil virus that was put on some money for a minute. So, you know, we're dealing with actual hardships in our video game. Oh, Ubisoft. Like, um, it's a thing that you can... You, you struggle to be super angry about. You just want to roll your eyes. And just like, Come on, you fools. You fools. 
Oh, I do have a correction from last week as well I want to throw in. Mm. Um, I apparently completely misunderstood a story which I mentioned last week, so I'm going to correct it here because because it's actually I put it as a very anti-consumer move and it turns out it's a very pro-consumer move. This is the story about loot boxes in uh, Fortnite. Now, I don't really play Save the World, so I was... I was a bit out the loop on the loot box situation. I think the the as I understood it last week, it was um, paying to re-roll your loot boxes. That's not really what's going on. Uh, basically, they've they've had loot boxes in say, Fortnite Save the World for a while. What they've done is they've just made them see through, so you can see what you'll get if you buy the loot box before you buy it. And they cycle they they cycle it once a day so if you don't want that loot box come back tomorrow see what what you could get in a loot box they've made it transparent so you know what's what you're buying for your money that's gotta be like a response to things like belgium and the netherlands and stuff yeah it's like they still want to sell loot boxes but they want to like get as just outside the realm of gambling yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say like in tom and jerry where tom would draw a line on the floor so that the dog's leash just reached the line and he'd stand in front of the dog taunting it. That's what I'm yeah. thinking of. It's like, it's, it's like when you 2 stole the chorus from The Sun Always Shines on TV for a beautiful day. They changed just like two notes so that it wouldn't be uh, legally a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to make sure I, I corrected myself on I'm that. Sure, because yeah. that. I was on a week off and I was rushing my news searching How a bit. How dare you get something wrong I, on I very much misunderstood a thing while rushing. Dare you get something wrong on the internet. Yeah. Uh, other, other games we played this week. Gav, what have you been playing? Uh, I played an absolute assload of Hitman and Hitman 2. They're so yeah. good. Because last week I was only a couple of levels into it. And I finished finished them both, and they are so good. I can't believe I... Like, it took me three tries to get into them, because I couldn't get used to the very slow pace and uh, the amount of things that can go wrong. Yeah. But once you get used to all that, it's such a fantastic... Uh, well, that's that's what you were saying last week about it, wasn't it? That it, you, you had to learn to play it a different way. Yeah. It, it It's like... It's such a pity they didn't sell well, and I think, like, I'll be honest, there are a few criticisms I have. The um, the staggered release, I think, did it no favours, so I think it's great that the second one came out all in one go, and you can just play it all together. But also, they have this weird kind of online connectivity on the game, and there's all these leaderboards and shit, and I get that that's in most games these days, but it has... Uh, the game has this kind of obnoxious thing where it warns you that you should play it online all like and that playing offline is the shit way to play and i feel like uh you know even the way they structure the menus and things is all based on servers and i feel like that sucks because if they go down in a few years i wonder if the game is still going to exist yeah and i think that that turned a lot of people off it and that's a pity because the actual game itself is it's fantastic like it's it's somewhere like obviously it's Hitman, but it's like I hadn't played that. Me- I played Hitman two before on Blood Money, but this is much more like a, it's like a cross between the early Assassin's Creed and Deus Ex, and like almost kind of a bit of a Dishonored vibe in there with the level designs. Like the level designs in this game are absolutely incredible. Like all the different shortcuts you can find and the different ways to do things. And yeah. and with every target you have, there's like five, six different unique ways to kill them. Or if you want, if you feel like it, you can just go up and just shoot them in the face. You know, 
So uh, yeah, I definitely recommend these games, and it's such a pity it didn't uh, it didn't sell well. Yeah, I love the first one out of the newer ones. I love the first one. The second one didn't grab me so much. Oh really? Because I actually preferred the uh, the levels in the second one. I think it's just that a few things here and there felt a little more like vague, just a little more. Yeah. I know people complained about the hand-holding in the first one, but I think I kind of liked that. I liked being... <laughs> it, it helped introduce like the concept of a lot of what you can do in the game, whereas some yeah. instances in Hitman 2 were like, we've led you this far, now guess what you got to do. Yeah, I can't say I ever had any issues there, but I might have done completely different missions to you. Or, or yeah. Not missions, but different... Um, what do they call them? The story missions. Yeah, like opportunities, I think they're called. Yeah. yeah. But there was one last night, I finished the mission, and I did two of the... Uh, I killed my two targets, but along the way, I had learned of two other ways I could have done it. And they looked so fun that I had to reload the mission again and go and do it the other two ways. Yeah, that that design is incredible yeah. in, in both games. I've, I've got to hand it to that. Their whole, their whole thing on level design is something that, sh- sh- that could teach people a lot about level mm. design and how to use space. Yeah, because I'm not crazy about replaying things, but this is one game that uh, the replayability factor is off the fucking scale. Yeah, It makes replaying the same level you've already played feel like a fresh experience, which is a tough thing to do. Yeah, and actually I, th- I found a fun way to do that is to um, just play the campaign all the way through and then go and play the campaign all the way through again and do it differently as one because the way they've set it up is that you pick a mission and you do it x number of times until you've got all the stuff but i found it more fun to just replay the whole game as such if yeah. you get me that's, that's yeah. fair yeah it's uh but and, and again i said this last week a very funny game like very like his deadpan um dialogue when he's about to kill someone is just so cheesy and funny and <laughs> tongue-in-cheek you know yay uh so in terms of other games this week I finally got around to playing the DLC for that Spider-Man game. I started it, and then the Anthem demo would come out, and I was like, well, for work stuff, I've got to get onto that. So I still haven't started it. Is it good? Yeah, it's it's a bunch more story. It throws in a handful of other Spider-Man characters that, like, weren't in the main story. It... It lets some of my favourite characters from, like, the, the main game's plot have a bit more to do and to have more nuanced opinions and things they were aiming for. It's mechanically just more of the same. If you enjoyed Spider-Man mechanically, it's more story and plot to give you more excuses to play Spider-Man. Most importantly though, Laura, you know what I'm going to ask. What? How is Black Cat's butt? Uh, Black Cat makes a very concerted effort to very rarely show you her butt. Uh Like... It's, 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 when you see it, it is a fantastic butt, but it is, where most games would be reveling in it, this game uses it very sparingly. Fair enough. Um, and now tell me about Hammerhead's butt. <laughs> Hammerhead's butt is big and strong and solid like a big old sheet of metal. Uh, fuck yeah. It's just a big old sheet of metal butt. Fuck Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, there's some interesting mechanical stuff in there where they've changed up the kind of combat scenarios you have like there was there's a very interesting one early on where it was trying to stop people from stealing art from an art museum and you're sort of having to crowd control combat but also keep an eye out for these specific people who've got art and stop them before they get to the doorways 
Yeah, there was there was some good stuff in there. I hope you stop the them from stealing paintings by punching through the canvas and hitting them in the face. That would be an amazing superhero scene. They're all like stealing paintings, <laughs> and they're getting punched through, utterly destroying the paintings. Just blap, but. But they didn't take the paintings, and that's the key thing. That's the key thing. You stopped the theft, and the gallery gets to keep the frames. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I had a lot of fun with it. I, I, it, playing through that DLC made me excited for where a Spider-Man 2 game could go. It, it does a nice job of sort of setting up this is where that universe is sort of heading. Yeah. And I'm I'm good for that. I want another of these games. Oh, definitely. Nice. Like, I've just been... Like after I did the DLC, I've just been going back to the main game, trying to 100% so I can get all the like the final outfits. I've just been going around doing petty crimes because it's really fun to be in that game's world. Well, I, I don't think I've used fast travel once in that game. I'm just like it's too fun to swing around. Yeah. Plus, you you get you get distracted on your way to anywhere in that game as well. There's so much stuff to find. Exactly. It's, there's always something new on the way. And the collectibles aren't really, um, they're not as annoying because it's so you get to them so quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sony, is, like, Sony games have been good at that. Like, mm. you, you compare it to some of the other over-bloated fucking open-world games that are just full of stuff thrown in haphazardly. And then you look at Spider-Man, you look at Horizon Zero Dawn, you look at God of War, even though that's not strictly open-world, but it's got a lot of things yeah. in it. Mm. These are all games that I've made concerted efforts to complete stuff in. And yeah. I, I'm i not a completionist, mm. but they just feel so natural and intuitive and everything feels possible to access in that game. It doesn't feel like, oh, I've got to hunt, like, pixel hunt for little things everywhere. Except the pigeons. Fuck the pigeons. Oh, I found the pigeons, like... <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say they hate the pigeons. I found them pretty easy. A couple annoyed me, but I... I've played way worse. Yeah, there were one or two that that pissed me off, but but this is in re- in relation to the rest of the game. I mean, it's a, mm. it, like you know, it's not exactly oh, yeah, Dark yeah. Souls. Yeah, I I just found myself going going through that game. I same as you, Jim. I was like, I want to do all of these research centers. I want to get all the backpacks. I want to go do all of the bases, just because every one of them was on the way to somewhere you were already going. And it was maybe a five-minute diversion, and then you'd be back on track. Yeah. And if you decided halfway through you didn't want to do it, you could just fucking scoot off. No loading screens, just oh, off you go. What a damn good game that was. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I knew I wanted to play the DLC, and I went back and replayed the whole base game before doing the DLC, because I was like, I just, I just really enjoyed it. It's a good game I don't have to pay too much brain attention to. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Uh, what else have we played this week, Jim? Have you played anything else? Sorry, I'm I'm distracted by black cat cosplays now. <laughs> yeah, there are some good ones out there. Dirty boy, dirty boy, go to bed with without supper, <laughs> um, and without your phone, dirty boy. Uh, right. What was I talking about? Yes, I I can't remember if I've played if I've talked about Anthem on this podcast. I honestly can't remember. The other demo came out. The public demo came out. I tried to play that, and nothing was happening in it. I went into, like... I went into the... What's it? The... I can't remember the name of the mission type. The little purple icon with a castle on it. Um, and it was it was only me and one other player in the party. And the enemies were just overwhelming. 
they just wouldn't stop spawning and they were like <sighs> super bullet sponges and it annoyed the piss out of me yeah that sounds really really not fun it was that was not fun at all that that is one thing i noticed in the gameplays i watched the super spongy enemies and and there were like mini bosses that seemed to just have an insane amount of health yeah and this this mission i played they were everywhere the the mini boss style ones they kept spawning so that wasn't fun I eventually gave up on that. I tried another one, and me and an entire team spawned inside a tunnel, the doors of which wouldn't open, and the other entrance we couldn't leave because it kept respawning us back into the correct mission area, which was the entirety of the tunnel. So I gave up on that. Then I just went, fuck it, I'll do the free play, and there was it was just empty. There was just nothing in it. I found some weird little meerkat lizard things that rolled around. They were adorable. I captured about 30 seconds footage of that and tweeted it on the PS4 share function and was like, right, I have now played Anthem. The real Anthem starts and ends with the meerkat lizards. I'm I'm very naive and hoping for a good story, aren't I? I mean, from what I've seen in the demo, the, the I played through the story missions on the initial demo release and it was it, it reminded me of Destiny. It was like, stuff's happening. There are some characters that seem invested in what's going on, but I ain't one of them. You've no idea why. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what they're doing. You're not stopping to have a conversation about your character and why they are important to the world. Hopefully that will be different in the full release. Well, that's it. In, in fairness, it's a demo. It's a slice of it. But by that same token, I've played demos where they bothered to give me narrative hooks to care about and make me think, oh, I can't wait to see what the rest of the game has to tell me here it's like oh i hope the game has something to tell me that's such a frustratingly common thing in games where you jump in and after a couple of hours playing the characters are super invested in all this stuff and naming off all these factions and and lore and you just don't give a fuck because you've no idea what any of it means you haven't seen any of it or I call it the home front scenario. Yeah, even I have to say, even Hitman this week, <laughs> when she's going on at 47, the blah, blah, blah agency has been acquired by this other shady client, blah. And I was just like, yeah. just let me strangle people. Well, that's, it's not what you're there for. The game knows it's not what you're there for. So it relegates any story to in between the actual gameplay. So it feels so distant. You've got no reason to care. It's always that bit in the loading uh, areas in, 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 in like games like that and shooters and things where there's like this very stylistically drawn map of like the the terrorist cell's ship that they're on, you know, in like pixels. And like yeah. they're explaining all this fucking bullshit to you and you're just like, let me shoot people. I c- I call it the home front principle because mm-hmm. home front, not the, the the famously bad one, whatever it was called, home front revolution or whatever. The first home front, which also was pretty bad, but the campaign of that was the worst example of a game story not giving a shit about the player, mm-hmm. not caring if you like it, not caring if you're invested, not caring enough to involve you in it. The protagonist of Homefront's campaign is a character who is not your character. It's some dude, I want to call him Trey, but it might just be because he sounded like Trey Parker throughout the whole thing and I couldn't take him seriously. He's yelling on and on and on about what's going on and how important it all is, and you are literally a camera operator. You shoot when the shooting happens, but for everything else, you're not even allowed to open doors. 
The main characters open the doors for you. Door fighter. But that's why, um, that's why, like, the Modern Warfare and Black Ops, um, series had such great campaigns because you had your Captain Price and your Reznov and all these cool characters and actual story beats that everyone remembers. And, like, COD 4, the very first scene of that, you're introduced to the villain, you're introduced to why they're doing what they're doing, and you're introduced to how they're a bad person because they shoot you in the face. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is cool. This is, show me more of this. And there are certain games with characters and, and really good plot beats that you can put into a demo, like like a strong opening scene or something you can put yeah. into a demo and be like, this is a good fucking story we've got going on. Or even like a cutscene explaining some of the lore. Yeah, just something. If this is what Anthem has to show for itself in a demo is, you know, destiny level and and sub destiny because destiny 2 at least gave me character like a villain to care about and mm-hmm. a plot it wasn't great but it was something I, I at least i remember what the villain looks like um whereas the anthem demo i it's given me nothing narrative to grasp on and i and, and i should differentiate as well there's a big difference between being mysterious with your lore in the style of fromsoft and just not bothering to give the player any of it in the style yeah. of Destiny. I've seen Dark Souls come up not just in this, but also in criticism of Kingdom Hearts, which has, oh, yeah. you know, impregnable lore. And it's like, well, there is a difference, as you know, I mean, it's exactly as you say. There is a mysterious lore in which you can piece things together, mm. and you actually can piece them together without needing a f- an hour-long write-up, uh, because what the actual story is isn't all that complex it's just been fragmented and turned into this nicer backdrop of history which Mm. you can also quite safely ignore because the main story of dark souls is very much your survival and Mm. they've built this wonderfully oppressive world so that story tells itself Uh, whereas something like a bioware game you're expecting a crafted narrative to support what might not necessarily be the greatest gameplay in the world um not that it's bad necessarily but you know not super remarkable gameplay wise plus every environment in bloodborne and dark souls that you pass through is specifically designed to tell you the story in its in its environment yes yes there's there's amazing visual and oral uh, storytelling um in terms of sound a lot of it is left up to you to interpret what happened but it's it's yeah. all there you know which i think is cool yeah i mean and then you know there's there are games like the Silent Hill games, like Silent Hill 2 is full of mysterious things and what's really going on. Mm. But, you know, that's part of what makes it so good is because it's a well... I mean, basically all we're doing is we're talking around the idea of just saying, make a good fucking story. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can deliver it in all sorts of different ways, but we need something. And Destiny, the original Destiny with its look everything up on a wiki, or Anthem, which so far has just been... Well, these characters care, and you're just sort of tagging along for the ride. And from the demo, they don't tell you the context for anything or why it matters. Yeah. Um, or if they do, it's delivered in such a boring way. I didn't fucking pick up on it. Um, you know, just tell a good story. And we know Bioware can do that. It's just have can they within the constraints of what they're trying to make? And are they being permitted by the big people with the money? Yeah. Mm. Or do they even care about this world? Is this just purely cynical as a game and i wouldn't normally accuse a game when, until i've seen it and, and, and until i played the full thing of being overly cynical but when e3 happened last year they 
had mostly concept art to show us and repeated footage. Uh, This demo is completely uninspired. The marketing behind this game is completely uninspired. We know more about pre-order bonuses and early access and VIP demos. Uh, uh, Cosmetic microtransactions costing like 15 quid each. Yeah, we know all of this. And I can't tell you what Anthem's actually fucking about. Um, and that's a problem. There's a world, there's people in metal suits, they use the metal suits to go around the world. That's all I know. <laughs> so it's Titanfall. Yes, it's, it, it's, it's, this is Titanfall 3. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now see, that's a disservice because Titanfall 2 had a good plot. Uh, Titanfall 2 was amazing, I might replay that soon. Yeah, I won't, I won't sully Titanfall 2's name with this. I was replaying that recently, it's still really good. That time that time switching level is amazing. I've been meaning to replay it recently, it's such a good campaign. It was superb, it, it really was, and it it just, it's such a shame what the, what the mainstream game industry is now, it really is. Like I know... I know, it's very easy to um, caricature me and the things I keep banging on about, and I'm fully aware of that, and I know in many circles that's just a, a running joke of always banging on about it again. But it comes from a place of, of just severe disappointment, of just seeing all of this potential, all of this creativity wasted, mm. squandered, and ignored in many cases and sidelined because the only real innovation a publisher cares about is, you know, how can we be inventive with getting more money out of people for the same content? Yeah. Uh, and things like what we're seeing with Respawn, you know, acquired by EA, like so many promising studios. I, I it, it says a lot when we see a studio acquired by a company and we then begin a death clock for them. Yeah. And we can't say that of every publisher, but certainly with EA and maybe a few others, um, I think people are mostly just waiting for Bioware to die. Not looking forward to it, but just no. grimly anticipating it. Then again, it, they've been waiting for this for eight years now and it hasn't happened. So. And here's the thing. Honestly... This game might do really well, it might just not be for us. Like, it might be that this game does really well for the people who want that kind of game, and the fact that it has moved away from story doesn't hurt them in sales-wise in the long run, for sure, even if yeah. it makes us sad. That that said, uh, it makes me sad if that's what Bioware is going to be from now on. Yeah. Another great storyteller who is no longer telling us stories. Yeah, I think I think they're estimating, I, I saw the other day, something like six million copies in the first six weeks they reckon they're going to sell. Yeah, we'll see. So, mm. Considering every game that's released by most major publishers sells below expectations. Oh, God, yeah. Because they tell their investors ridiculous fucking stories and fantasies about how well their games are going to sell. Actual fantasies. Yeah. Fucking stupid industry. Stupid industry. Stupid late-stage capitalism. Stupid all of it. Yeah. Let's just go back to trading leaves for cows. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna play the new hit game. Can I trade a leaf for your cow, and then trade yeah. it back for the leaf again, and we trade back and forth for a while? Yeah, and then we we get the rest of the village to invest in the cow, and they will expect more leaves next year than they got this year. Yeah, and they will never be allowed to unionize. None of them. None of the cows. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, I think I think that's it for game stuff for this week. And we've still got like eight minutes to fill. What kind of bollocks do we want to talk until we're done? Oh, uh, oh, um, I've been watching that man in the High Castle. If anyone's interested. Oh, how you been getting on with it? It it's very good. It's got some amazing performances. Um, mm. The actor who's playing uh, Chief Inspector Kido is really good at this sort of veiled contempt for everything. And the actor who plays, who I'm going to look him up because he's done some great work in the past, up to and including Mortal Kombat, the live action film where he played <gasps> Shang Tsung. Uh, what was his? I, what, the character's name was. Um, oh, Nobusuke. Tagomi Nobusuke. Man in high. What's the actor's name? Because he's terrific. Oh, God. Come on, Wikipedia page. Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. Uh, I apologise if I got that wrong, but he's a fantastic actor. Um, my, one of my main issues with it is sometimes it goes into that what if both sides are just as bad shit, oh, which you don't okay. do. You don't do with the Reich. Yeah. Don't do it with the Reich. Don't do it with the literal Nazis. Uh, and sometimes like, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to do a bit of Shades of Grey. They're trying to do a bit of, you know, char- characters within these individuals within these organizations can be complex and interesting and some of them are um you know the character of chief inspector kido is has done terribly monstrous things but you you are still invested in the mysteries he's trying to unravel uh and the performances are magnetic just engaging um but i was very frustrated with one of the main characters sort of the central protagonist juliana crane who Oh, well, actually, I probably shouldn't get into any of that. That's too spoilery. Um, But I won't go too far into it. But it does seem every now and then that she's a bit too uh, sympathetic. She comes off sometimes like a Nazi sympathiser as a protagonist, Uh. uh, which is not their intention. It's just the sequence of events and how they happen. But there's some great lore in it. Like, I'm fascinated by the concept of the neutral zone because you've got Japan on one side of America. You've got... um, Germany on the other, and they've sectioned off the United States. So you've got the Pacific States and the Reich. And then in the middle is the neutral zone where people have escaped to, you know, um, whether they're Jewish, whether they're gay, whether they're black, you know, Hmm. running to this area. And it's this near post-apocalyptic fallout-y kind of realm where people are like cowboying it up. There's a character called the Marshal who's going around hunting Nazi targets there. Um people like trying to make their own communities i would watch a show based entirely in the neutral zone Mm. um of man in the high castle because it's some of the best stuff but yeah really really great characters and performances every now and then they do a little bit it's a little bit bioshock Mm. (laughs) in terms of sometimes it doesn't quite commit to things where there's quite a clear, easy commitment to make. Yeah. We've been watching a very funny show called Shit's Creek. Oh, yeah. It's about this rich, rich, like, family who finds themselves destitute in a small town. And it's like the dad from American Pie and the mom from Home Alone are in it. And then there's the son who's like a pansexual, like, dude trying to find his way in small town America. And then the daughter's like this kind of very rich girl typical rich girl daughter and the dynamic they all find between them is actually very very well done oh yeah i've i've been really enjoying a show recently as well uh this is one that um my my lovely one jane recommended to me i've been really enjoying it's called black lightning 
Oh, yeah. It's a DC superhero TV show, which normally... I don't like DC's superhero movies very much. Their shows have been yeah, very hit and miss. Black Lightning's been really good. Yeah. It is a a superhero show with a predominantly black cast that deals very openly with real world issues around racial discrimination, around ways that in the past governments have used people from poorer communities as test beds to try things out on and just sort of following this superhero who is like occasionally going around doing superhero stuff but he's also just trying to hold down a school as a principal and trying to be like no no these kids just need like care and support and we just need to look after our community but also sometimes after lightning zap stuff and it's been really good it's it's got very good characterizations and really interestingly developed characters that have a lot of nuance to them it has just been a really good show with some really good cliffhangers that has kept me watching cool. yeah oh. I'm, I'm very rare to recommend something dc but that black lightning's well worth watching i might have to check into that because i did enjoy gotham very much for all of its ham and cheese it's similar in its level of ham and cheese if you've enjoyed gotham i think you might well enjoy black lightning well then, it's it's quite good. I think we were almost at an hour. Should we start wrapping <laughs> up? Yeah, I'm just laughing. I just got a message here from Rach. I'm not the only one losing my mind. She looked at the clock wrong, and she has now arrived at her bar class an hour early. <laughs> oh no! Ah. <laughs> she looked at the clock wrong when she was leaving. <laughs> There's just something in the air tonight. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> Have you seen that um that video going around to Resident Evil 2? You mentioned something in the air tonight. Uh, yes. Just playing that fucking Phil Collins. You yes, just hear the beat yes. of it. And then the door kicks open and it's a full blast with Mr. X running around. There's a fun one as well with uh, X gonna give it to you. I was waiting for that. I must have missed that one. Did I tell did I tell you two about my new favourite YouTube channel, by the way? No. I don't believe you have. What is it? It's called Girlfriend Reviews. And it's this um, girl who watches her boyfriend play games and then reviews what it's like to uh, live with someone who's playing oh. this and this game and that game. But her her videos are like beautifully edited. They're so clever and so funny. That's a great <gasps> perspective. Uh, she's well worth a watch. And she plays. She sometimes plays them herself, but it's mostly a review of like watching the boyfriend play. Here's what I thought of having to be in the same room while this game was played. Yeah, exactly. But uh, her her Bioshock one, she plays it herself, and that one's like really worth a watch. And also huh. the um, huh. the God of War one is very funny, and they're, they're all good. The Dark Souls one is very funny as well because she's like, it's absolute hell living with someone who's playing this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Go go check out that channel, listeners. It's very very good. There we go. You've you've not just got some great video game chat. You've got a whole bunch of TV and video recommendations today, and films yeah. at the beginning. Because we love you. We do, and we appreciate we you. Love you. <laughs> well, with all that said, I'm going to go cough into a basket somewhere. Um, Laura, can you tell people about the things that you do? The things uh, you can find me at Laura K Buzz most places. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, if you check me out Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, kotaku.co.uk, I have started doing a series of long-form articles at the at the moment 
first couple of which are up are about Leamington Spa. Basically just going to places in the UK and finding out what sort of video games are made there and why people make them there. So mm. that's going to be a semi-regular thing. I did Leamington Spa, is up now. Uh, we had a really interesting interview with a developer of a game called Paradise Killer from there. I think the next one we're doing is I'm heading off to Guildford, so there'll be some Guildford developers whose names you might know are getting interviewed. Um, other than that, I've got two books, Things I Learned from Mario's Butt and Uncomfortable Labels. One's a book of silly butt reviews, the other is a memoir. They're both written, just waiting to like come out, so they'll you can pre-order those. Otherwise, I'm on Dice Funk. It's a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, and 5. I think that's everything. Well, well, well. Uh, excellent stuff. And Gavin, um, you do the music. Everyone loves the music. Where can we hear the music? And and other things from, from you, their music, you do now what? You can hear my music on YouTube, on Spotify, on iTunes, on all the good stores. And just search for Miracle of Sound. And you can uh, get my album, which is out now, Level 9, came out before Christmas, and it did really, really, really well, which is nice. It did better than my last couple, which is lovely. So, And, uh, and funny enough, I don't know how you guys found this uh, January and December, but my views didn't plummet this winter like they usually do. They just stayed level. No! Things have been going well, surprisingly. So the algorithm did something right. <laughs> I'm actually right now experiencing, and, and I put it down to um, having some really good topics lately. Um, yeah, it's been doing better than it has in quite some time. I haven't put out a video since the second week in December, and my views are still up. It's really weird. Nice. Yeah. There, there's a budget for me to travel and do things. Things are going well. Those Witcher songs are going to keep me fed for life by the looks of that. <laughs> um yeah i mean i was gonna say like like for my wrap up just um we're hitting a good stride with the gymquisition thank you so much everyone for continuing to watch them and share them yeah there's been some good ones lately i must say i've been trying to vary up the topics but not wildly so it's like still in the same theme of of the industry's bullshit but you know things like the kingdom hearts one breaks things up and i was really pleased with this week's one which was still about monetization but was about fomo and uh confuseopolis and and sort of a, a new not so much a new tactic but uh a new discussion point of tactics for me um and i got some really good ones lined up fomo yeah fear of missing out yeah i know but did did we already talk about um how I, I I got Jomo. No. Which is like the older you get, it's like you start getting joy of missing out. <laughs> like when, when people are out in town and they text you like, oh, come out, we're all langers, which is an Irish word for drunk, by the way. We're all really drunk and we're having a laugh. The music's on the pub and you're just like, I'm so glad I'm at home. <laughs> I do get that a fair bit, yeah. yeah that's, I, think, I think we all get that from time yeah. to time. <laughs> I do want to say as well, the Gym Inquisition lectern is still around. Uh, we've been moving stuff to a new studio, as I've been talking about. I actually filmed an intro and outro for this week's show that had me behind the old podium with the Boglins and the, the toys and shit on it. Uh, but the green screen really interfered with the uh, the belts, the, the t PWE tag team titles, which I own as because I'm the winner of them. Um, so I had to redo it all hastily the next morning uh, in front of me wood panel wall but we're working on that we're trying to get good the right optimum distance between the green screen and the lectern and the camera and all of that trying to 
sound dampen it a little as well because it's very reverby in there at the moment. But we're working on that. But, you know, nothing's wrong with variety. The Jimquisition intros have all been a little visually interesting lately and people have liked them. Um, so, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, it's always very... I can't overstate enough how brilliant it's all been. Um, your support and all of that. So thank you for that. And we will see you next time. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. We love you. Mwah, mwah, mwah.